0: What's up everybody? We have finally made it to the Stanley Cup Final. We are at episode 83 a 2, 5, and 10. I am one of your co-hosts, Kevin Naughton, throwing it off to
1: my beautiful other half, Benny. Benny, what up? How you doing? It's kind of confusing to have the Stanley Cup Final kicking off as fall weather is kind of infiltrating the Northeast and making us think of, oh, well, it's September, training camp's starting... Regular season is about to start as we head into the winter, but nope, San Cup final still from last year's regular season. And did anybody think the Dallas Stars would be in here? I uh, pretty much think everybody picked the Tampa Bay Lightning, but should be a good one. It, it will
0: most definitely be a good one. Before we get to the... Uh... Well, will we call that the main course today? We, we do have a few appetizers. We have a soup and a salad for you guys.
1: Uh, <laughs> like the Olive Garden.
0: Like the Olive Garden. You know, let, let, Don't have too many breadsticks. I don't want you guys to fill up just yet. But uh, before we get to the Stanley Cup Finals, a couple of news this week in the hockey world. Uh, Peter Laviolette named the next head coach of the Washington Capitals. What do you think of that?
1: I mean, we figured it was going to be Laviolette or slightly off chance that it might be uh, Mike Babcock just because this is how coaching situations go. You go from a disciplinarian to a player-friendly coach back to disciplinarian. So everybody figured it would probably be Laviolette or Babcock. Uh, If Babcock can't get a job coaching a Stanley Cup contending team who has basically a two-year window essentially – I don't know how much hope he has to get back into the league unless one of these contenders falters to start next year and then they make a coaching change and he comes in mid season. But Laviolette comes in. I think it's a great fit. He's the complaint from the front office of the Capitals was they just didn't play with any energy. There was like kind of no direction uh when he came back from the break and Laviolette will not let that happen. He's gone several places and turned that team around Within one to two years, I, I think Nashville took three to get to the Stanley Cup Final. But he has a reputation for just hammering guys and keeping that window open. And for a team with Ovi, who's 30, going to be turning 34, is already 34. Backstrom is getting up there. His contract, uh, Oveshkin's contract is going to be expiring. Is it, like, so you couldn't mess around with another rookie coach. They made a huge mistake in, in hindsight with Reardon they should have just paid Trotz to five years because now they paid Reardon for two and Laviola for three. Um, so mis- they owned up to their mistake there. I think Laviola's a good fit. I think this is going to help them keep that window open and actually contend for the next year or two uh, with the core that they have.
0: Oh my God, dude, I, I know this is way off topic. I am sorry. I just took the first sip of coffee uh, so I got a Great. banana ice-flavored coffee with a shot of mocha. Dude, it tastes like a chocolate banana. It's fucking incredible right now. Um, Peter I haven't La-
1: ever had a banana iced
0: coffee. I didn't take you to Perfectos when you came here? No. Fuck me. I, I
1: must have just made you breakfast then. I'm sorry. That's where we're you, going you, next you time. You made me come. eggs, and uh, Emma wanted to know if I wanted them colored. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was on the purple <laughs> eggy kick.
0: Well, aside from the eggy kick, um, Peter LaViolette, i I do think it's a great hire here uh like you said it seemed as if the capitals weren't very motivated when they came back there was rumors of them taking the bubble as vacation with that i mean peter laviolette is a motivator like that's what he does he always has some sort of story uh from a newspaper clipping just he's always looking for ways to motivate guys and uh Jimmy Hayes used to play in Boston. He's actually now currently on the Missing Curfew podcast with uh, Shane O'Brien and Scotty Upshaw. I, I recommend you guys take a look at that. That's a great bunch of guys, good stories. But another
1: group of guys trying to replicate us,
0: huh? Yeah, I mean, if I had their money, I, I'd be we'd be golden, Benny. So once that advertising kicks in, we're there. <laughs> but um, he said he had Laviolette over at the World Championships, and um, they said it was just an exhibition game. And Lavi's there, and he's like, The Germans have been eating nails and screws waiting for you guys for the past year, boy. So he's trying to get these boys all hyped up just for an exhibition game. So when the cards are on the table, I I think he's going to be able to get that group there. Obviously, one other thing just looking at it is is Braden Hopley going to be back there still? Who knows? And then the next question is, is Samson going to be recovered from his ATV injury and, or is he going to be able to handle the workload of a number one guy? So uh, those are two things I don't put on Laviolette that that's kind of the GM, but for that team to go, like you said, I mean, they are in their window, probably about two years. They have o- Ovi, they have Oshie, they have Backstrom. They're kind of starting to look like the Bruins and now where that window is kind of fading a little bit. So to me it's just are those players going to be able to give what laviolette wants out of them that that that's the biggest question for me like babcock there i don't think was going to be a good fit just with the way he is like i i think there's certain guys in that locker room that just weren't going to accept that i think with laviolette you have a winner you have a guy who's going to motivate not push your buttons motivate you i i, I think there are two separate things there and With that, I expect good things out of the Washington Capitals. I mean, on paper, this team is still very good. So Laviolette coming in, implementing his system. They just won a cup two years ago. I I think that they are definitely still hungry. There's no question there. That that's like what did Paul Pierce say? Once you taste the lobster, you want to keep eating lobster. (laughs) So. I just think that's the biggest thing. With that group there, I do think he'd be able to come in and set something up and make it of substance again.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Holby, we've talked about this over text, everybody kind of has his bags packed. I think, especially with the cap staying flat this offseason and probably the following offseason as well, he's not, especially with the last two years he's had, he's not going to be getting some bank-breaking, five-year deal worth five, $6 million per, which apparently Robin Leonard is going to be getting with Vegas, which is another situation we'll talk about probably next week's podcast. I still see him because, yeah, Samsonov, Samsonov, however they yeah, call the, it down. And the, yeah, the it.
0: Russian way, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, he's the future, but even if Holpe leaves, they're still going to be looking for a veteran to kind of help split the load, give him a break tutor him a little bit and who's better to do that than a guy who's won a cup in this city he's a part of the core he knows the guys and can kind of help ease Samsonov off into the starting role than Holpi, and yeah he would have to take a pay cut but if you're holpy would you want to win another stanley cup and still play 30 35 games potentially even more for the next year or two with the team and the guys that you went to war with already or do you want to go to edmonton and see how it goes
0: See, that to me is always one of those hardest things. Like, is it, are you in for the money or are you in for the cop? And with Braden Holtby, they say he's one of those good old Saskatoon boys, just kind of does his own thing. Where does he stand in this? I mean, for all we know, maybe him and Ovi don't see eye to eye in the locker room and he wants out, or maybe he just does want to win. So it's just one of those things as to what do you want? What don't you want? Me personally, if I was him, who's to say if they run with Samsonov, if that's even going to stay? Like, you know, they could be churning the reins back over to you. So it still could be your job. We just don't know as of yet. That's just the only thing.
1: Yeah, and this guy's made close to like $35 million in his career already, hopefully. So I think even if it was about money, I I know this is like a very, it's an armchair GM thing to say how much money do you need? in the sense of, like, what's an extra $2 million a year to go to a a new city and a team that might not be able to contend for the next year or two just to get 20 more starts a year?
0: But, I mean, it could also be a pride thing, too, where you want to prove that you're still a starting Mm -hmm. goaltender in this league. And and obviously, there are some guys in the NHL that they know when it's time to pass the torch, and you you hear stories of you know, the goalies together of, you know, they start sharing stories or the uh, the elder kind of teaches the newer kids some tricks just because they know at some point they're going to pass that torch. So it's just, does he want to or does he not want to? I think that's all it comes down to.
1: That's the only thing, which is a good point. And I want to correct myself. Ovi is 35. He's not 34. just want to correct the record on that one. He has one year left on his deal. Yeah, I mean Laviolette's. I think the best they could do in this situation. You still have Babcock out there. You still have Gerard Galan out there, who I wish the Rangers would be fucking bold and make a move there. Um, but he's probably ticketed for Seattle at some point. Um, the other thing, this wasn't on the agenda that I wanted to get into. This broke yesterday, and we talked about it as well. Alex Petrangelo, the contract talks, broke down with the Blues. Um, just wanted to get your quick thought on that situation. Um, and if he does, does leave St. Louis, how one, how big of a hole does that leave for the Blues contending window? And two, where is he going?
0: So, I mean, as for the contract talks breaking down, we hear about this yearly. I mean, th- this yeah. happens every year. And the biggest thing is what did they break down about? That we don't know. Is it the number on which he's getting paid or is it the amount of years he wants a contract for? And I think those things are huge because if he goes to the free agent market, is he going to leave money? uh, I I hate to say leave money on the table because he's not going to leave money on the table, but would he take a longer contract for less money or a shorter one for more money? The the flip-flop part of it. So with that, I mean... If he does hit free agency, uh, I do think that there will be people buying. I mean, there's not many UFA legitimate defensemen out there. Uh, As for the Blues, I mean, they still have a very good back end right now. So I I don't think it's a massive hurt to them. I, I do think that group just won a Stanley Cup last year. Like, so it's not a, a leadership thing at this point when you have Parenko with a cup, when you have these guys who are now frontline guys for you, they, they work their way up through your system. So I, I don't think for the blues as a whole, it's going to be a very big hit. I just think that for Petrangelo personally, it's a lot. I mean, he has the triplets. He has the wife, the kids, the yeah. family, like... Where does he want to go? And then the biggest thing is, what impact is he going to have? Because if there's one thing we know in St. Louis, it is that when Doug Armstrong cuts his ties with you, it's usually for good reason. I mean, when they cut ties with David Backus, everyone was crushed. And then we got him, and they saw what he was, and he looks like a genius. So maybe he just has... Shatton Kirk. Yeah, exactly. Like I just think he has a lot of good intel, and... He has that farm constantly going, so he's already picking the next guy, and he's moving on from the old one. And uh, like they say, at the end of the day, it is just a business. So it, yeah. unfortunate, but like we said too, who's to say he doesn't end up back in St. Louis? Just numbers tweaked a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's going on because Dougie Armstrong, the Blues, they have a feel for what the business is going to be, and it's kind of related to the Holby situation. The cap is going to be flat. Patrangelo is going to get paid. Like it's going to be the mid-level guys that are free agents this offseason that are going to get hammered on their deals. So if he's going to get paid. Taylor Hall is going to get paid. Like they're not going to be. There's nothing to be worried about. But it's not going to be as much as they thought they were going to get. And the one thing that might bite St. Louis in the ass is that Justin Fall contract. Um, given them that long before you even seeing him play a game. Just long-term choose up. Good amount of the cap that could probably go to retaining, uh, Patrangelo here. I still think he ends up in St. Louis. I honestly think it's about years. I'm sure he wants a long term deal in St. Louis because of their market, the uncertainty around the salary cap for the next several years, um, gate revenue because who knows when fans are back in. They're kind of holding off on long term, uh, Commitments here, especially with the O'Reilly contract, the fall contract. So I think it's a matter of St. Louis might want to do like a three, four year deal, and Petrangelo wants
0: five seven. or six. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, especially with Jonas Brodine getting a, uh, what is it, a seven year deal or a six year deal? I believe when you
0: texted me it was seven.
1: Yeah, seven year deal for Brodine. So if Brodin's getting seven, like, Petrangelo is like, okay, that's the market for me, and St. Louis might not be able to do that. Uh, if he does leave, I said this to you, it's outside the box. They would need to make some cat moves, maybe buying out or trading James Van Reensite, site, but I see Philly as a great fit there to play uh, off in the first pair.
0: And uh, looking at their D just going into next year, they have Falk Pareko, Marco Scandella, Carl Gunnarsson, Bortuzzo, all under contract, and then Vince Dunn is a restricted free agent. Yeah, and I like Vince Dunn. I do too, so I, I do think he's due for a raise. Uh, I mean, th- I like the older guys that are there. Are, are they going to be elite? Like uh, Marco Scandella, I mean, he, he's, he a does guy. a great, great service, but I mean, he's he's mid-pairing. Gunnarson, kind of, he's their swing man. You can kind of put him anywhere there, and he works for you. And then Bortuzzo's just that back six guy that's just gonna lock it down and throw some knocks so yeah i don't know
1: all right well to get to the other thing that we actually wanted to talk about is a surprise trade of eric Stahl going to the buffalo sabers one for one the famous one for one uh for forward marcus johansson former bruin what are your thoughts on the trade it's kind of I think it's a great trade for Buffalo. They're looking for a second-line center since they traded O'Reilly to St. Louis, and they didn't want to rush uh, Dylan Cousins, just like they already did rush Casey Middlestad. Um, I was kind of hoping for a Ryan Strome deal to Buffalo. Uh, yeah, you weren't too happy when that broke, Hugo,
0: because of the Strome deals.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, shit. Um, so I think it's a great deal one year left in a deal for Stahl, one year left in a deal for Johansson. But the confusing thing is Minnesota, who has some cap issues, takes on a higher cap hit and a higher actual salary with Johansson.
0: Yeah, I, I was just just kind of baffled in the sense, like you usually hear rumors, especially with a guy like Stahl. Um, he goes into it, I, I believe he has one year and then he's unrestricted. I don't know if Johansson has one or two left.
1: He has one, too.
0: He has one, too. So one for one, and then they're both off the books. Do you think that this is more of a move to bring in a very big veteran guy in name to bring Eichel under some sort of wing here? More more than anything, just to be like, buddy, I know it sucks. Like, Eric Stahl's been there, you know? So I know it sucks. I know sometimes you're down in the dumps, but this is still being that consonant professional just – being you day in, day out, grinding it out and, you know, making this a place where people want to be. Because just looking right now at, at their lineup, the, we, we talked about this earlier in the year as to what Buffalo is in when it comes to a rehaul, which they really want and what they're going to specifically need. So currently going for contract right now is they have Jack Eichel, Jeff Skinner, Kyle Pozo, Eric Stahl on the forward part, all under actual contract. Curtis Lazar, Dominic Cahoon, Tage Thompson, Victor Olofsson, Sam Reinhart are all restricted. And then they're unrestricted are Wayne Simmons, Vladimir Sabaka, Jimmy VC, Zegmus Gergensen, Johan Larson, and Michael Furlake. And
1: that's just up front. Like, I'm not even at the backside yet. (laughs) Yeah, all, all those unrestricted, like, see ya, thank you.
0: Yeah, like, thank you for your service. We're yeah. we just going to figure it out. But, like, even on the back end, they still have a couple restricted and unrestricted, too. So I, I do think they're going to have a lot of cap space to play with. But we've already discussed, too, Buffalo's that place that if you want people to go there, you're going to have to pay. And yep. they already have Jack Eichel locked for big money. They already have Jeff Skinner, the same thing. I think Kevin Adams has his work cut out for him here. I do think Eric Stahl is a great move for him just when you're building, like you said, now you have that second-line center. But now you got to figure out who you're putting where because basically this lineup is... <laughs> you could almost yeah. throw it away. I mean, but you could also almost pick your lineup, but you're going to have to pay for it.
1: On a flip side, the like I said, the confusing thing to me is what Minnesota is attempting to do here. I know Billy Guerin... He's made a few moves already, like we mentioned in Jonas Brodin extension. He's made a trade for Nick Bustad in the trade with Pittsburgh. But so Miku Koivu is already gone. like He's not returning to Minnesota. Eric Stahl is gone. And entering the offseason, one of the biggest needs that Minnesota had was finding a, either a long-term first-line center to replace Stahl after he became a free agent, or a short-term second-line center to play behind Stahl. Now, you trade stall, you don't get a center back in the deal. Yeah, you get a wing. <laughs> yeah, you get a winger, and now your top three centers are Joel Erickson-Eck, Nick Bustad, who was so bad in Pittsburgh that they put him on a fourth-line wing, and Victor Rask, who's a buyout candidate. I guess you can move uh, Lukun back to center, but kind of moving in the wrong direction, here, especially taking on a higher cap hit when you're in a cap kind of situation here. So I don't Understand what's going on. Uh, the Rodine deal kind of makes almost certain that Matt is gonna get traded. Um, I just don't know I'm not saying Billy Garen is in over his head. like he knows he has a plan. he's executing it obviously because he's moving so quickly on things. I just don't know what the end game here is in terms of, okay, you keep Rodine and that that costs you Matt Dumba, who's probably more valuable as a right hand shot, power play top pair defenseman. You bring in Johansson for help on a wing, but you have a similar player already in Zuccarello, and then you take on a cap hit and you move on at your centers. So, I'm just—I hope something plays out. I just don't know where this is going.
0: Do you think it's a hope to be top heavy? Just with—if you look up there, you got Prise, Zuccarello, Johansson. You could have all of them as a one, two, three, and then you—you you have Fiala there too. You have Bugstad like. I think he's trying to build. It's just kind of a difficult scenario, and I think Parise is probably
1: going to be traded, dude. I even th- I don't even think Parise going to be on a team next year.
0: You think? You think he's gone?
1: I think he. I he was almost dealt to the Islanders at the deadline, and I think Lamorello kicks those tires again and figures it out to bring him in because having another guy like Parisi, he's not the thirty goal guy that he was in his prime, but freezing on that, this Islanders team in game six against Tampa. I'm not saying they would have won a series, but it would have made them a hell of a lot more competitive, maybe force a game seven, and then you never know.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It, it's just, you look at the back end Spurgeon, Suter, and I mean, they're eating that Suter deal too. Yeah. I mean, 35, and he's on for another five. You got Dumba, you're right, probably looking to be traded after they give the extension. Then you have Patteron and Greg Greg Hunt. I mean not Greg Hunt, Brad Hunt. Like. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's rough. Whatever. I mean, should...
0: I trust Billy Garen though, more than I trust Kevin Adams. Why is that? Uh I would say just, just because Garen's background. Just because Garen's background. Let let's say Billy goes in there and maybe Eric Stahl was an old grumpy guy in the dressing room just kind of fucking stuck in his ways and and Bill's looking for kind of a fresh face I mean Johansson I know we I wasn't happy when we traded for him for last year's playoff but he ended up being a great player for us like Marcus Johansson is a good little player and I think his versatility is something maybe that Billy wants maybe he wanted stall the kind of branch out he's he's not getting any younger so maybe he wanted him to kind of switch to the wing a little bit so he can take some years off and maybe he said fuck you i'm a center so maybe he said well fuck you i'll, I'll find someone who can play wherever i want him to
1: have fun in buffalo yeah exactly that's what it <laughs> seems
0: like more than anything like yeah have fun in
1: buffalo right <laughs> like... yeah all uh, right that could be the thing i it's just confusing to me because if you're in a cap situation and you're willing to just kind of get rid of stall you could have gotten back a prospect and a pick could have completely emptied out that cat hit from your uh, roster. You could have used a buyout window to potentially buy out a guy like uh, Zuccarello. So who knows? It's just Minnesota's off season already is making me more excited to see what Garen is trying to do for the rest of the off season because I have no freaking idea where he's going. And I like that it's a new GM. He has no history. There's no track record with him. And he's just like pulling off moves. And he's just like, where is this leading to? So Minnesota, the state of hockey, well, it's the state of hockey for me this offseason. Because I think Minnesota is going to be making some moves. And probably some of them are going to be head scratchers. Hey,
0: that, that's all right. Let Billy do his thing. He w- wants yep. a certain type of player, I guess. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so enough of the appetizers. Salad's Good. 6 were good. But now let's get to the main course. Let's get some pasta in us. San Cup final, Tampa Bay Lightning, the heavy favorite over the Dallas Stars. You picked Tampa Bay in 6? Correct. Yep. On oh, Dallas in 6 and tell me why I'm wrong.
0: Well, one thing I haven't seen which Dallas seemed to do to Vegas was Vegas seemed to question themselves with Hudobin and Nat. Like th- Even when they had a lead, it, it didn't really seem that way. They, they just kind of seemed really on their toes. Like it- They would try to get goals in. Hudobin would stop them. They would kind of shake their heads. They would get a lead, but I think they were already thinking like, hey, we need to get this lead more because we can't figure this guy out. And then Dallas would come in, put one in the back of their net, and now they're like, fuck, now they're on their toes and playing behind again. So I just haven't seen tampa frustrated all postseason but like i just haven't like even when they were playing the islanders and going against that system in the trap like didn't phase them Uh, so to me it's kind of like if that defensive structure and system that barry trotz has in place didn't phase tampa bay why would dallas Uh, one of the other deciding factors i had was in that series against vegas it seemed like Vegas stopped going to those dirty areas. Like they kind of stopped playing inside the dots. Tampa's been there all season. And I mean, then on top of it, you add Maroon Goudreau and those guys on that fourth line, Sorelli, like they're making their bread and butter in front of that net. And no one has been able to stop them. No one's been able to move them. Maybe it's a size thing. Maybe it's just, they're playing their angles better, but those guys are going to the net. They're going to the net hard. They're making plays. They're scoring goals. Um, another thing is just matchup wise, like that fourth line in actual Tampa Bay. Like, how do you think Dallas can counter them? It, cause, cause those guys, Goudreau Coleman and Maroon have been just unstoppable. So I just don't think there's any other line that's going to kind of, when you throw it a fourth line to get energy, you're not going to get it against them. So I think maybe on the home games where Dallas has last change, maybe they try to get a mismatch there with the higher line. But if you're going fourth line against fourth line, I mean, it, you have to be deep this time here. And my last part of it as deep is if Tampa wins this, when is the last time we ever saw a team consistently run seven defensemen and win a Stanley Cup? Yeah. <laughs> Like it just seems like whatever they're doing down there is working, and it doesn't seem like John Cooper is in any need to change it, and he doesn't know why. I- I'm just wondering uh, two things at least in the sense of Tampa: Are they going to be able to deal with the two-headed monster that is uh, Heiskanen and Klingberg? Like that's that's a very heavy task to do. And then the other thing is health, like is Braden Point healthy enough to stay in the lineup? And the other part of it is, if Stamkos is healthy, does he get back in the lineup? So I I do think there there are some things that John Cooper is going to have to think about. Um, A question I have for you is, at this point, and as to how dominant he has been, I mean, Braden Point has to be considered one of the best forwards in the league at this point, no?
1: Oh, yeah, he's top ten player, top five center. Um, Like, I wouldn't be surprised if on production, and this isn't a knock on Sid, but if Point just, like, passes him as the better all-around player next season or the year after, especially because Crosby's getting up there. He's in his mid-30s. He has a lot of mileage. Um, But, yeah, Point is, everybody missed their boat, their chance to uh, steal him away from Tampa the last couple years and now they're paying for it um when it comes so a couple of things i want to hit on from what you said so how you said vegas kind of stopped going to the slot in the dirty areas i think that's because that was dallas's game plan so the reason why i like dallas in this is one i think they just have something going i know that's an intangible thing to try and put out there in a prediction it's just one of those feelings that you get when you're buzzing
0: you're buzzing, yeah.
1: Yeah, like every playoffs year, there's just a team that like. Even if they don't win at all, it's just like they have something going. And you've and been in
0: Dallas's down. corner too.
1: Yeah, and I've been with Dallas since the beginning for the most part. Um, the thing for me is, so Tampa Bay is a combination really. So you have Vegas, who is a heavy puck possession team. And Colorado's the run and gun. And Tampa Bay has both those styles in there, which is why they're such a formidable team. But Dallas had been able to run and gun with Colorado and win. It was, could have been over in five, never mind going to seven. They were able to play a defensive structure that limited opportunities for Vegas to go to the slot and then close. They kept them to the outside, even though they were massively outshot by Vegas. I think Dallas will take that every day of the week against Tampa, where... They might be outshot forty to twenty five every game in the series, but if twenty five to thirty of those shots are from outside the circles and a point, they'll take it. um So I think that experience of going against Colorado and Vegas back to back and pulling that out is going to be a very good kind of learning experience and a confidence builder for Dallas where they're like we already beat two of the best teams in the West, and they play similar to Tampa Bay, we can take care of this. So I think that's one, where they have a game plan already and potentially being able to limit those opportunities for Tampa. Two, when it comes to the fourth line, which I think could be the deciding factor in this series, that's how good those guys have been for Tampa. The thing for me is... Do you go small and fast to combat that, where you try, you make Patty Maroon and you make Goodrow and you make Coleman keep up and wear him down over the length of a series? Or do you kind of slide some of your bigger guys down, and big not necessarily meaning fighters or hard hitters, but like just use their size to try and gain puck possession and control it against the fourth line and wear him down that way. So right now, the fourth line for Dallas is pretty consistently... Blake Como, Andrew Cogliano, and Jason Dickinson. And Dickinson's a big boy. So do you keep it there? Because Cogs and Como have tremendous speed still in their careers. And you use that to neutralize them? Or if you're Dallas, do you move down and play with Dickinson, like with uh, Bay and uh, if he's healthy, uh, Jam Mark, and just try to use that size to compete with him that way?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. So.
1: That's the that's the opportunity you have where it's like maybe they have two different options they can try early on in the series and see which one works. For me, the reason why I'm picking Dallas besides you know the experience they've had in this playoff run, is their defensive structure is in my mind better than the Islanders. The Islanders their defensive structure is good, but their goaltending is built around that. I think Hudobin has proven and Bishop has proven when he was healthy and in his time with Dallas. They can steal games when that structure breaks down. The Islanders couldn't do that. And the Islanders, even though they have Barzell and Anthony Boliv- Bolivier really step forward in his playoff run, they don't have the guys. And I know Sagan's probably playing pretty fucking banged up the way he's playing, but all you need is one game out of him, pop off. Maybe if he's just a power play guy at this point in the series. But you have a Ben, you have a Pavelski, Radulov, who hasn't really produced too much, but he's starting to come around. But it's really going to be the back end, like you said. The Klingberg, the um, Heiskanen, I think Esa is going to have to play a huge role in this. And I just, I don't know, all that combined, the mojo that they've got going, I think Jamie Ben is leaving it all out there. He had a slow start to the playoffs. But he's really picking it up and playing his monster two way power forward game. I don't think Tampa Bay has an answer for a player like Jamie Benn, to be honest. Like, yes, they're more talented. Yes, they can compete with anybody. But who on Tampa Bay up front is physically shutting down Jamie Benn and ma- neutralizing him? I don't even, like, I know a headman could probably do it. But who up front is going to do that? I don't think they have a guy like that. Stamkos. It would be nice to see him out there just because as a hockey fan, for him to battle back and be able to play during this run, especially if Tampa Bay does win it, for him to say, at least I was able to get into some action, would be nice as a hockey fan. I don't know what he has left in terms of health for this year. So, I think if if Dallas keeps it into a slog down, keep them to the outside, and then utilize their red-hot power play, I think they have a chance in this. And I just think they're playing hard for their for a bonus, and I think they just pull it out. I don't know. I know everybody's going to Tampa. It's like 80% going to Tampa. I just think Dallas has that in factor this year, and they just pull it out.
0: Uh, I'm with you on the games that they've just pulled out. I mean, it, Gary Anoff, like, fucking really. Monster. The, like. And then the other one there, the the one with the K, I can't even say it, the, the finish way, Kiriata. Oh, I, I can't even fucking say Oh, that. with the hat tricking game seven? Yeah, but, I mean, he he's just been playing out of his mind, too. K- Kiviranta, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I, they're getting, one thing is with Dallas, they're getting production from guys that they normally don't get production from. Yeah. And this this time of the year, I think that is crucial. I just don't think they will be able to, Get the chances that they were allowed against Tampa, because w- when you talk about production from places that it hasn't been, I mean, it, you look at Tampa running seven D, and it's like Zach Bogosian got fucking put on waivers, complete, just C L A to buy now, Sounds and he's playing, playing incredible, and I I just think that Tampa's buzzing right now, and I know we could say the same about Dallas the way that they've played, but.
1: Ah. No, I mean Tampa Bay is a happy favorite for a reason, and I know I'm going against the grain. And if Tampa Bay wins this in five, like I don't think anybody would truly be shocked. Um, but for me, it's like I said, it's just something in a wa- in a water in Dallas. But the other thing that I have is the in the health, like you said, at of Point, but also Kucherov. Like, yes, they're playing it's the Stanley Cup final. Point came back for Game Six against the Islanders. He looked okay. Um, Yes, they're playing, but are they fully Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov in a series? And if they're at half or three quarters, is that still enough to kind of keep the system that Tampa Bay has going? So that's that's just something that's up in the air for me.
0: That's a fair question, and I guess not my response, but a question back to you is do you think – Because you said Tampa can play both ways. They can play heavy and they can play a quick north and south game. Do you think they change the way that they play when Heskinen is on the ice just in the sense of a four check? They'll let the big rig kind of go in and finish that check out every time. Do you think that they would wear down Heeskinen and Klinberg? Or do you think at this point mm, they've been getting by, so you think it's good?
1: No, I think they have to, especially because as the playoffs have gone on, Dallas has kind of let Heskin in, and even John Klingberg become a fourth forward. So, I don't know if Tampa is able to neutralize them completely, but if you're able to just not let them be a fourth forward in a sense of, you have to play defense, left wing bottom. the majority of the time they're on the ice, you have to chase the puck, that neutralizes a huge aspect of Dallas's identity in his playoffs. So, and that's going to be a huge advantage for Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, I who do you have if Tampa Bay wins for Conn Smythe and if Dallas wins, who do you have for Conn Smythe? See, uh,
0: at this point, <laughs> at this point, you have to think point. <laughs> but I, I think when it comes down to here is it's going to be offensive production for Tampa. So Kucherov or point, but I think Victor Hedman is going to have to do everything for them. I think he's yeah. going to have to lock it down defensively and give them that offensive spark. So I, I think I would go Victor Hedman. Um, the way I see it for Dallas is it's going to be one of two people. It's either going to be Heskinen or it's going to be Hudobin. Like, whichever yep. one keeps them in it more is going to be the one who
1: gets it. Okay. I'm I'm going Hedman and Hudobin as well, unless Jamie Benn really puts the team on his back in the series. Um, the only thing I wanted to mention that is obviously a huge disadvantage for Dallas and why it's such an easy pick for Tampa Bay. No Stanley Cup champion in history has ever won a Stanley Cup while being outshot and outscored over the course of a postseason, which currently Dallas is.
0: And can I just throw out one other thing, too, in the sense of lucking and hoping someone shows up the Stanley Cup? finals was the reason why Tyler Sagan got shipped out of Boston I know he's locked up long term in Dallas but I mean if he doesn't show up here you gotta think Jim Nill might be second guessing the highest paid player on his team no
1: yeah I mean he's unless we we said like it's like it
0: like it's an injury then it's different but I mean if there's nothing else there and he just can't get it going like that's
1: Yeah, I think there is an injury. I've seen a couple uh, B guys for Dallas say that he got hurt in a round robin, and that's why the remainder of the playoffs, he's really not been the same old Tyler Sagan, Um, which is why I think, and obviously I'm I'm not a better hockey man, Rick Bonus here, but if you're playing with Sagan and you know he's at 50%, do you keep running him out there at center like he's still center in the first line like he's played wing before do you move him to the wing and then you move jamie ben to center to help neutralize that and also do you just maybe potentially move him down the lineup a little bit and give him power play time that way he has a little bit more room to skate he has less of a role to play defensively where he doesn't have to get back because you notice if it's a leg injury or core injury um So, yeah, it's just something to keep in mind in terms of, I don't know if he gets shipped out, but if he's not playing through an injury like everybody's suspecting, that is brutal. Like, I don't know how he could, if I'm Dallas, there's no way. Like, I'm sure you can eat some money and you find a team that's very interested in a 28-year-old 30-40 goal scorer on a team that needs some offense, Islanders, um, to make a move here. So, I don't know.
0: Do you think part of it's because th- they're trapped in that bubble and he's not able to use his dick?
1: <laughs> yeah, no girls that pump him up with some signs in the pregame skates?
0: Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's just what's kind of hindering up a little bit. I don't know.
1: Maybe, you know, it's a good thing he's hurt because if anybody in this bubble was going to ruin it by bringing in an Instagram girl, it would have been Tyler Sagan.
0: Yeah, yeah touche, touche. <laughs> I, I did hear rumors. Um, nothing has gone public this was not now this was after i believe the first round or the second round that um there was a team in the bubble in edmonton so this was still western conference strictly that did get caught with people inside the bubble they did bring girls inside Are you kidding me? and um i believe the fine to the team was forty thousand dollars how
1: selfish,
0: man. Those are just a little bit of rumors I heard. yesterday, and said nothing confirmed or denied, just something I heard specifically to one or two teams.
1: All right. I don't want to get into that because I feel like that can lead us down a dangerous road here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just have a quick today at NHL history before we get to shoutouts, and I figured it would bring it would be nice uh, since Tampa Bay is in the Seneca like, final. Today, September 19th in 1990, the Pittsburgh Penguins defeat Wayne Gretzky and L.A. Kings 5-3 in a preseason game. The reason why this is connected to Tampa Bay, this preseason game was played in St. Petersburg, Florida, the Tampa Bay area, and the game drew an announced crowd of 25,581 to what is now Tropicana Field, then the largest for any NHL game in history. So maybe that was a precursor to the league saying, hey, maybe this is a viable market. Let's put a team in Tampa.
0: And then they said, hey, let's put one down in South Beach. And
1: Yep, yeah. and it worked out wonderfully. Good, good. <laughs> Who do you got for shout-outs?
0: Uh, shout-outs this week. I'm trying to think. A um, shout-out the little guy. So Cam had his first week, well, half week of remote learning and then in school, but then he only does a half day, so then he comes home and he's out of school. So I have a kindergartner officially, so big shout-out to him. He had a good week. So as of right now, uh, remote learning has not uh, hindered him. So we'll we'll play that uh, week-to-week, you know, day-to-day. And, um, yeah, that's all I got this week. Who you got, Benny?
1: First Lady, as always, uh, our quarantine from our trip to Florida is finally over today, so we can finally go out and about. Uh, Mama Dukes is coming to visit from Long Island so she's going to be spending a weekend um you a make you making dinner? Negative.
0: You making dinner for her or are you taking her out?
1: I uh, getting some Greek food. Nice. All right. Um so happy about that. And also shout out to my good friend Brian who's out in Denver. I'm going to be flying out to him this Thursday and spending a week out in Denver, um, catching up there and what else do I have? i'll just leave it at that shout out shout out to those three people
0: nice so is colorado on one of those lists too so after you fly out there you have to come back and re-quarantine again
1: no sir which is i'm very happy about that
0: nice so right after like sierra and steven moved back so they had to do all the tests and everything because it was first one of those red states it was about a week after they got here that uh the governor here in Mass said it was an okay state, so I just started laughing. I was like, see, if you guys waited a week, you would have been <laughs> fine. But I told Sierra we'd go visit Colorado. It just might be without her there this time. But anyways, everybody, as always, thank you for listening. Uh We will try to keep you as up-to-date as we can on the Stanley Cup Final. Hopefully, we'll have another show before the end of it. And then once, as the season is over, we're probably going to go right into off-season pickups, moves, everything else. I mean, the draft's only seventeen days away, so everything is uh, everything's close, Benny. We're, we're looking ahead.
1: Yeah, we got less than a month until drafting, free agency, Stanley like Cup's going to be crowned in the next what seven days, seven eight days. Yeah, it'll so, be quick, so it's been a long road, my friend, but we're nearing the end of the 2019-20 NHL season. Uh, It might be
0: the end of the world as we know it. We'll catch everybody next week.